Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we're back. We're late, but we're back. Right now I'm uh, doing a very professional podcasting thing, which is I'm checking to see if I talked about the Deshaun Watson trade and contract on the last episode. I don't think so. I think I just talked about Russell Wilson's trade. Um, however, I think that the, the majority of this episode is probably owed to a guy who had a decent amount of influence on me as a, as a young man. Um, John Clayton passed away. John Clayton is, uh, was, a uh, an icon in Seattle. John Clayton is, uh, if you don't know, is a sports journalist, most recently worked for ESPN radio. But he wrote, I mean, he was, I believe, let's see, what is, I know he worked for the Tacoma News Tribune, but when did he start there? So he started at the Pittsburgh Press. Uh, looks like uh, 1986, he moved to Seattle to cover the Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune. Tacoma's the city I live in. That's the newspaper I grew up reading. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I had Danny O'Neill on, another guy who wrote for the Seattle Times, who I grew up reading. And, uh, it's, it's sad. Also, I, I, I guess I'd, uh, I'd say this, like I've never, there's certainly a point in John Clayton's career where I felt like, uh, maybe there was some degradation of his skills or some lack of evolution. I think there's probably valid criticism of, uh, I don't like my dad wasn't a huge fan of John Clayton in the later years. He, maybe he was a little bit of like a like a um you know football cheerleader or whatever. Uh I grew up like I mean that dude was he was on so this was like before we had even an ESPN affiliate in Seattle. We would get his uh his Saturday morning show, the John Clayton show. And I used to call into his show. I was, when I was like very young, like, like t 10, 11, 12, um, I used to call into a lot of sports radio shows, especially after big trades and stuff. I've always been obsessed with the transactional part of, uh, part of sports. And John Clayton was the guy delivering the message a lot of the time, at least some analysis. I used to, there was a dude, I remember, um, his Saturday radio show. I would listen to it while I was mowing the lawn a lot or, uh, or, uh, if I was doing like work around the house, chores around the house, I'd have, I'd have John Clayton on in my, uh, my headphones or on a radio. Irish Menke was this dude. He had like characters. It's like John, John Clayton seems like this dude 
who's like very buttoned up, and I'm sure he is or was, by the way, I'm sure he was, but um, he had these like characters that would call into his show. These There was a dude named Irish Menke, I remember, who was a big Notre Dame fan, and he used to call Mr. Clayton, and he was like not, didn't have an Irish accent or anything like that, He was, if I remember right. Um, he'd call in and he'd, uh, when he got, when he put him on the phone, he'd, Mr. Clayton. And he would, uh, you know, just rail for the Notre Dame fighting Irish and John Clayton would shit on that a little bit. And then there was a dude named uh, commando Dave, who's actually still around. Maybe I could try to get commando Dave on a podcast because I remember, yeah, let's see what's commando Dave doing these days. Um, I bet I could get him on a podcast. Actually, I should have. I should have thought of this. I have this whole setup for uh, for guests right now, and I'm still um, not using it as much as I should, or really at all. So, oh, I guess Commando Dave hasn't posted since 2020. Shout out to Commando Dave. I hope you're doing okay. <laughs> Commando Dave, uh, is this man? And he's got a, I don't know about this. I don't know. What, what are you doing, Commando Dave? Are you still around? I'm going to I'm gonna reach out to Commando Dave and see. Uh, but yeah, I used to call into his radio show. I loved his radio show. He would talk about sports and kind of like, I thought he did like a good job of simplifying stuff and making a, he would have a take. John Clayton had a take. He wasn't simply a reporter a lot of the time. He was offering some analysis or some, um, some opinion, but it never felt like from John Clayton. It never felt like angry or agenda driven, just a uh, matter of fact, sometimes maybe too simplified, but matter of fact, he made the funniest, by the way, sports center commercial, uh, the one where he, he's, uh, wearing the, like, basically it's a bib that looks like he's wearing a tie for like a remote spot on sports center. And then when it's over, he, takes the tie off, lets a ponytail down and jumps in, jumps into bed and starts just absolutely pulverizing some Chinese food. I think he has like a Slayer or a Metallica shirt on. Um, I think in reality, if I remember right, he was a big funk fan, but there was like a, like a before internet rumors were a thing. There was a rumor that he had a ponytail. Um, he also famously had a beef with his on-air counterpart in a lot of stuff, uh, Sean Salisbury, who I thought I actually, at the time it was happening, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Uh, I Apparently that was what led to Sean Salisbury being uh, ousted from his TV gig. And let's see, what's Sean Salisbury up to? God, how old is he? He's 59. Well, that was another surprising thing, by the way, was to find out that John Clayton was only 67 years old. Uh, Sean Salisbury got in trouble for calling John Clayton the Crypt Keeper, which I will, as a comedian, that's so goddamn funny. Uh, also, I can't believe Clayton was only 67 years old. He does look uh, like the, the Crypt Keeper. And... Um, <laughs> it looks like uh, Salisbury's doing sports radio in uh, in Houston or something like that. Um, yeah, let's see. Where is... Do they reference this Crypt Keeper thing? Um, 
Oh, I forgot Sean uh, Salisbury was the the play by play guy for BattleBots. Anyway, John Clayton, storied career. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't listened to him in years, just because I haven't listened to radio in years. But I I did hear he used to do segments on Danny O'Neill's show, and I remember at the very beginning of COVID, I, I said this on the Danny O'Neill episode, or maybe I didn't even say it to him, but I've talked to him about it. Is uh, my daughter is now like at a point where she's processing language. She understands what's happening. So I can't just have filthy comedy podcasts on because she started to repeat what's on those filthy comedy podcasts. So I was listening to terrestrial sports radio, which I hadn't done in forever. And I really actually enjoyed uh, Danny O'Neill's show. And I enjoyed hearing John Clayton again. It was very nice. The other guy, I can't remember his name, but he was also fine. Uh, and now, you know, it's sad. I, I didn't know that John Clayton was sick, and in the times that we live in, there's a lot of speculation about what his illness could have been. It seems like the only way people die now is uh, either COVID or a, a completely private bout with cancer. Um, I don't really have an opinion on which of those I'd rather it be. I just am, it's sad that he's dead. He was, uh, you know, there, there was no signs from his work up until the last week or two that, that he was struggling health-wise, I don't think. I know that his wife has, uh, I think, multiple sclerosis. And so that might be part of why he's rooted in Seattle so heavily. Um, anyway, sad day for Seattle, sad day for the NFL. Uh, John Clayton, truly a Seattle legend. A lot of people don't realize that he's he's spent most of his career in the Seattle area. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these are the, I guess this is what it's like to keep getting older, right? Is the people that you admired and loved and the people who inspired your attempts at a career path. I, I originally went to college to do broadcasting and, uh, written journalism and for sports specifically. And part, you know, part of the influence is a guy like John Clayton and these guys, the, there's, you know, less of the guys you knew. There's never more of the guys you knew. It's an inevitable part of getting older. Um, I'm 35 years old, born in 86. Saw, you know, I I was the, t- to be honest with you, I think I might have been the only kid. I think I listened to sports radio. I might be the, the I might have listened to the most sports radio of anybody in my school. In fact, I can't even imagine that it's possible that somebody listened to more sports radio than me. Um. Anyway, so... Uh, the Sean Watson trade, I think. So Cleveland trades for Deshaun Watson. They trade, uh, quickly the, the, um, the Russell Wilson trade becomes no longer the, the largest draft pick compensation. Although I'd, I'd actually, I don't know that on the draft value chart and obviously there's, there's picks in the future. Um, So there's a lot of people who are mad about it, as you might expect. Also, Deshaun Watson got the largest uh he got the largest contract in the history of the NFL. So he got traded for each of the next three years, the Cleveland Browns first round pick, a third round pick next year, and a fourth round pick this year and in twenty twenty four. And the Browns got Deshaun Watson and a twenty twenty four sixth round pick. And then 
they gave him a five-year, $230 million deal. So an annual average contract is at a $46 million a year, which is is the uh, largest, and it's also fully guaranteed. And I think another thing that, yeah, they did a sneaky thing. They did a very sneaky thing that I don't even actually necessarily, I'm not completely certain that I hate it because I know we don't like Deshaun Watson, but there's a lot of people out there that are are, uh, union advocates who also hate the NFL and will get mad that Deshaun Watson had this happen. That So they changed Deshaun Watson's base salary in 2022 from whatever it was going to be or whatever you would have expected from a contract like that to $1.035 million. So if he gets suspended, he will lose only $57,500 per game. With the the stupid caveats, by the way, of course that's a lot of money to everybody else. But if he was making forty six million dollars divided by sixteen, he stood to lose three million plus dollars per game, and that's not going to be the case anymore. God damn! Can you imagine making three million dollars to play one football game? Um, I I think that the other thing, and I I, mean, I might have talked about this a little bit. It's I saw a great Malcolm X quote. And if I can find what's the let's see, maybe I can just pull it up. Um oh yeah, I think this is it. This is a Mal- Malcolm X quote. By the way, I don't I'm not like uh telling you that I think Malcolm X is the perfect civil rights figure by any means. I just I think this is a good quote to keep in mind when we're talking about all this. And I think while you're consuming media in general, I think that this is a very good quote to keep in mind. The media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent. And that's power because they control the minds of the masses. And I listen, I've read some details of the accusations against Deshaun Watson, but I would not put it past the media to have sensationalized or to done not have done their due diligence for there's a lot of perverse incentives here. Um, and I'm not even talking about, by the way, the women who came forward accusing, uh, accusing Deshaun Watson. In fact, I think that if there were, if some of these cases get dropped with no settlement and you want to feel sympathy for the women who made those accusations, I think you're that's still fine. I think that it's the attorney's job to not allow that person to face that embarrassment for no compensation. I listen. I think there's a very good chance just on the probability of there being 22 accusations deemed credible by an attorney to take to civil trial that there's credibility to these accusations. I also think it's impossible I Oh man, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I want to I want to read the definition of McCarthyism. Man, we really did. I did, I let this devolve. This is my mistake. This is the uh the definition according to what is this dictionary.com? Is it dictionary.com? 
Oh, the Oxford Languages Dictionary? Yeah, okay. The Oxford Languages Dictionary. Uh, McCarthyism is a noun, a vociferous campaign against alleged communists in the U.S. government and other institutions carried out under Joseph, under Senator Joseph McCarthy in the period 1950 to 1954. Many of the accused were blacklisted or lost their jobs, although most did not, in fact, belong to the Communist Party. And now, let's read the let's read the uh, the definition first paragraph from Wikipedia on cancel culture. Cancel culture or call out culture is a contemporary phrase used to re used to refer to a form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online, on social media, or in person. Those subject to this ostracism are said to have been canceled. Now, if Deshaun Watson committed a crime, and just because he was uh, acquitted, or the, not acquitted really, but the uh, grand jury decided not to move forward with an indictment, and maybe that's even the wrong legal terminology. That doesn't mean he was actually innocent, but um, if he'd committed a crime, sending someone to prison for a crime is not cancel culture. In fact, ha sending someone to a civil trial and taking millions of dollars from them is not cancel culture because there are we do have in that system, inside of that system, the uh, civil litigation system, there are standards and definitions that mean something and maximum and minimum punishments and guidelines for, for juries and for judges and for uh, attorneys and all that stuff. I'm not saying that every person in the United States gets a fair trial, but I think that it's more fair than what's happening in public discourse, obviously. And uh, having any kind of, there was like, I, I watched uh, Ryan Clark and some, by the way, go to that, go to Deshaun Watson's Instagram. It, it like came up as a recommended Instagram for me. So I went, I went to see if there was anything about the contract. He uh, had posted something about it and then limited the comments to, it's very obviously limited to like verified and only positive comments. I'm sure they are heavily censoring whatever people have attempted to comment, even that are verified. However... Some people who you may have some some affection for in sports commented positive things, including Ryan Clark, who uh, is on ESPN um, and who, yeah, was a former NFL player. I saw, I went to Ryan Clark's Twitter account to see, like, are people mad about this? And yes, they were. Yes, they were very mad about it. Um, but... That's the it, like you can we're allowed we're supposed to be allowed to have different opinions. I got that Malcolm X quote by the way. Also, I'm sick and I don't think it's COVID, but uh, it's the it's the first time in a long time I've been worried that something was COVID. I have two comedy shows this weekend, and I'm like, fuck, they had both pay pretty good too. Um, I don't actually feel bad. I just have like a stuffy nose, which I don't think is necessarily a COVID symptom. And a little bit of a cold that I feel like is on the end. I feel like I'm on the end of it. But um, anyway, it had a little slight uptick today. Uh, God, isn't that a bummer? Like, I'm. it's fucking, 
almost April 2022 and I'm taking at-home COVID tests? What are we doing? What are we doing, everybody? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to talk anymore about COVID. I actually did have a a thing to say about it, but um, I did get to open a whole weekend for or I uh, emceed, hosted. I call opening. Um, opening to me is featuring, which is middling is another thing people call that, and then hosting is the first act that goes on and does like ten minutes. And but the problem is I've heard like old time comedians, new time comedians, they call that opening. They call there's a lot of uh a lot of ambiguity around what these terms mean. So I hosted for Chris Porter, who I actually featured for last year. I think I said something on the podcast about it. It was a very fun weekend. I'm working on a new joke. I have, because of Chris Porter, because they came to see him in 2021, um, and earlier than that, but not with me there, I have made probably my two biggest fans in comedy, these two folks uh, that they are the uh, only people to ever contribute to the anchor.fm, whatever, like you can be a bigger fan somehow thing i'm not gonna say uh now you backwards trevor i think uh that's the that's the code name backwards trevor and his wife um <laughs> we gotta come up with a nickname for you lady if you listen to this or uh backwards trevor if you listen to this well we, we gotta have a code name you know who you are backwards trevor anyway i also the uh i've made a couple comments about backwards trevor taking his donation away and I completely forgot. It's just funny to me. It was just a funny story. Uh, I don't care if you contribute any money to the old, uh, I'm not yet at some point. If enough of you listen, I'd like to make a little bit of money on the, off this podcast. But at this point, it's just me vomiting words into a microphone. But, um, I'm eventually going to switch to like, I'm going to start doing some other stuff on some other outlets. And I think I'm going to end up on a uh, Substack is my guess. Substack just put out a um they just put out a mobile app for iOS. So that's the reason I wasn't doing it before is cuz I don't really like the way Patreon is set up, but they had an iOS app or they had a mobile app. I don't think Substack has a has an Android app yet. But now that they do, I mean go check out my buddy um Gabriel Rutledge has a has a Substack that's very good. I've heard some rumors that there might be some new and familiar, new but familiar content popping up on those pages. So go check it out. Uh, anyway, very fun time. I had a very fun time opening for uh, opening slash hosting. Can't allow myself that uh, that thing for Chris Porter. I don't have any other great comedy stories. I got to bring a buddy of mine, a newer comic, to this room that I learned a lot in before the pandemic called trenchers and Renton. If you ever have a chance, by the way, go check it out. If you're ever, if you're a comedy fan and you like comedy club comedy, you should, you owe it to yourself. I think one time to go see a show in suboptimal conditions, doing comedy in a comedy club is like living in a humidor. Like it's, this is climate controlled. There's somebody, you know, in a, in a bar at a bar, when someone heckles, 
as the comic, you have to deal with it. At a, at a comedy club, they've been told 17 times before the show not to heckle, to stay off their phone. If they do heckle, a lot of clubs, they'll get talked to a couple times, and they might even get kicked out of that club if they're being too obnoxious and affecting the comedian and the people around them. At a bar show, that's very infrequent. It's very infrequent that someone gets kicked out of a bar show. Uh, and so go check it out. I think you, you owe it to yourself to go check it out. A good one is Trencher's uh, Comedy Night in Renton, Washington. And it's everything that makes bar comedy challenging, everything that makes bar comedy fun. And also, by the way, they get like pretty good comics. It's not an open mic. I Don't go to an open mic. That's what I'll say. Do not go to an open mic. But this show I'm talking about is a free show. Um, the producer produces a bunch of stuff. He's a good comic also. His name's Amani Taylor. If you live in that area, but if you don't, if you live in fucking Kansas, there's bad comedy shows happening near you. The, pick the best of those ones, those bar shows, and go check it out. It's a place that I like a lot, uh, but I. it's also a place where I have bombed some of the hardest I've ever bombed in my entire life. So, uh, anyways, I got to take a buddy to, to do that show. It wasn't a disaster for him. Uh, he got to watch me go up with, there was one comic in between us who didn't do very well. And he got to watch me go up and eat shit for about the, the booker is very nice to me because we started at similar times and I've been, I've, I've gone to this room a lot. I like it. It's a great place for me specifically. I don't know if it's good for everybody, but I really enjoy going to this place. It's a good challenge. Usually I can do 10 or 15 minutes. This is one of those shows where the lineup wasn't so packed that he goes, Hey man, do whatever, basically do as much time as you want. Like I'll light you at eight minutes, but just do as much time as you want within reason. Like if I did 45 minutes, I probably wouldn't get to come back the next week, but I was about six minutes into my set. I was like, Oh, I'm doing 10 and getting the fuck off this stage. And at about seven minutes into my set, I finally won him over. It took seven minutes to win him back, but this is the kind of thing that's like valuable to me is to go, I'm just eating fucking shit. And it's also like eating shit on, I just want to try a new joke. That's the reason there's a, you know, I want to try a couple new lines. Another thing that that situation will do, by the way, is it'll make you kind of think on your feet and try to think of like new uh, tags or uh, new, yeah, new lines, new jokes. You guys probably know what tags are, or if you don't, um, there are little jokes that you add, you tag on to a, a joke. It's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Anyway, you like kind of are forced to like, maybe you say the thing that you're like scared to say normally because it's too offensive. But in this place, like for example, my rule with bar shows a lot of the time is like, I know they're not going to give me the opportunity to like build, build tension. They're never going to give me enough air to like truly build tension. They're never going to give me enough time where they're listening, they're paying attention, but they will respond to like dirty stuff, loud stuff. When you're acting stuff out, they'll respond to that. What I didn't, a lot of times though, the bar audience that's there for a free show is not into like super dark material and I got frustrated at about six minutes that I wasn't winning this crowd back over. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I literally, I think I said it into the mic. I'm just going to do the darkest shit that I have. And then I did two consecutive jokes 
that are like so dark that I couldn't even continue to follow them with dark stuff. I don't have enough dark stuff. So I said the most dark things that have ever been in my act. Neither of these jokes are in my act, but I was like, let's try it. Let's get something out of this set. And that won them over more than anything else. So comedy is very confusing. All right. I want to do voicemails because it's been a long time since I've done voicemails. Please come see me do comedy. Um, I guess I'm in uh, Auburn, Washington. Uh, coming, I'm Auburn, Washington, uh, Moses Lake, uh, Pasco, Kalispell, Montana, um, Austin, Texas, Louisville, maybe, uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. I have my doubts, but maybe, maybe Appleton, Wisconsin, please come, uh, come see me perform stand up comedy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Wait, wait, what am I doing? We got to listen to these voicemails. We haven't listened to voicemails in a while. Send a voicemail to 253-237-3217. And uh, let's, let's, let's hear this one. Yeah, hi, Casey. Bryce here. I was just re-watching one of my favorite movies, Seven, and it occurs to me that nobody ever really talks about the real tragedy of the film. The fact that uh, Detective Mills, the Brad Pitt character, he's never going to be able to go out to eat for dinner again. I mean, seriously. Do you want to be the waiter who walks up to him and says, would you like a box? Not me. No way. Not going to do it. And going out to dinner is one of my favorite things. It's a tragedy. And, you know, I know what you're thinking. Bryce, you're insensitive. What about Mrs. Mills? Well, we all know there's candles you can buy now to help you remember Mrs. Mills. Look it up. It's true. Anyway, I just thought I'd point out that uh, a tragedy from the film. Um, that's just my personal thoughts. Thank you, sir. Listen, I think he's right. I think Bryce is right. I cannot imagine. If I put myself in that moment, I can't even imagine. I'm standing at my wife's funeral. And I'm like, fuck, not only do I have to bury my wife, sad, I'm very sad about this. Don't let, Let's not take away from that sadness. It is very sad. And I think that one miscalculation that Bryce is making here, he's talking about the Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle, I believe. And um, first off, I don't think those candles are for fucking. Second off, this presupposes that, that Mrs. Mills has uh, implanted her scent into one of these candles. And I, I got to tell you, I suspect it's illegal to put post-mortem to inject vagina pheromones into a candle. I don't know. I haven't read. Listen, I'm not a lawyer, civil or criminal attorney, neither. I'm neither of those. But my suspicion is that at the time that his wife has passed, he might have missed the vagina candle boat. And again, I don't think you fuck those candles. I think you're smelling those candles. So I do agree, though, an unspoken tragedy of having your wife's head delivered to you in a box as never being able. That's maybe that's why the term doggy bag exists. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Two, five, three, two, three, seven, three, two, one, seven. The Casey McLean on nearly all social media platforms. Watch Baby Weight on YouTube. It's a 30 minute, 25 minute EP that I put out. Uh, and by the way, I think it'll come out on audio. April 1st is what I'm aiming for. And then pump that. If you can, I would love it. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for 
coming to see me do comedy when you do. I hope that uh, you're happy, and I rest in peace, John Clayton. All right.